Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Supply Change Podcast brought to you by Aptricity. I am your host, Christian Garcia. Thank you for joining us for this very first episode. We're excited to get this thing started and start helping you guys out with your supply chain problems. So I'm going to do a couple things before we hop into today's episode. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to introduce Ben, our producer. He's behind the camera. You can't see him. And I'm going to introduce the podcast, what we're going to be talking about, the things we'll be doing, topics we'll be covering, and things of that nature. So let's dive into it. My name is Christian Garcia. As I've already said, I'm a product manager here at Aptricity. I've been with the company for about seven years. I've worked in uh, the supply chain industry for the same amount of time. And I work with our software development teams to build solutions, ultimately is what I do. Also work with our marketing team to sell the solutions. You might hear Ben behind the camera. Uh, Ben's doing all of our production for the podcast, so uh, huge shout out to him. Thank you for all the help. And let's just talk about the podcast. Let's talk about what we're going to be covering here, because I think that's really why you guys are here. You're not here for me or Ben. You're here to hear what we're going to talk about. We started this podcast to, to kind of talk about the issues that people are facing in supply chain. I think we all know the supply chain right now globally is a topic of concern. I think you see it in the prices of groceries at the supermarket. You see it in the prices of products. You're hearing about how there's supply chain disruptions daily. We have some experience in that. Uh, we've we've been working in the supply chain industry since 2004, and I think we've got some valuable feedback that we can share with you guys to help you solve some of these huge supply chain execution problems. And so that's what we're going to be doing here. We're going to be doing episodes probably no longer than 30 minutes, try to keep it into bite-sized content. But then also we'll be bringing on some supply chain experts, doing some interviews, and uh, hopefully getting some feedback from you guys. And so one of the things that we're really going to promote as part of this podcast is interaction. So we're going to set up a, an email address that you guys can send questions uh, topic ideas, things that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, and we will go through those. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll take your idea and we'll make a podcast about it. So, aside from that, that's pretty much all the all the uh, administrative stuff. So let's get started. We wanted to start today's, or really, t- we wanted to start the podcast rather by discussing the different tags that you can use for tracking in your supply chain. There's a lot of buzz terms that you hear. We're going to go over some of those in today's episode. There's a lot of different options that you can choose from, and each one of those has a different price point, has different things that it can report, and it has different form factors. So I think if you're tackling this subject without the correct background of information that you need, it can be difficult to choose what's right for your business, right? And so one of, the, one of the main benefits that a tracking tag can provide for your supply chain is it just visualizes, it brings, it brings those things to the forefront of your attention. The location, the condition, the, you know, it could be quantity, things of that nature to your supply chain. And that, that could be things that are in the warehouse, things that are in transit, uh, things that are anywhere across the globe. And so that's why tracking technology is increasingly being adopted within supply chains because you no longer have these black spots, so to speak, in your supply chain where you don't have visibility. And as we mentioned, obviously, in today's day, uh, loss prevention, shrinkage, uh, out-of-stock issues, they're huge problems in the supply chain. And a big part of that is because people can't find stuff. And so that's why we recommend tagging technologies to be used on your assets, your inventory, anything that you ship, anything that you're trying to keep track of. And so we're going to talk about the spectrum of tags that you can use to help your supply chain. Before we do that, there's really three questions that we wanna discuss when we talk about tagging technologies. And this will help you kind of understand 
what the tags are and, and really what they do. The first question you need to ask is, is the tag active or passive? And what that means is, does it have a battery? If you, were to, if you were to boil it down to a simple concept, does it have a battery? Because if it does have a battery, that means it can self-report. If it does not have a battery, that means that it needs to be scanned by uh, what we would call an interrogator or, or a scanner, right? Synonymous terms, to grab the information off the tag. So question one, is it active or passive? Question two, what is the communication method? I think a lot of people get tripped up with this. They see, oh, this is an RFID tag. So that automatically means, you know, I, I can track anything with it. Well, no, not necessarily. RFID is the communication method for how you get information from the tag. And so that's that's kind of the distinction between point number two or question number two and question number three, which is what's the information being communicated? So an example of this would be I can communicate GPS information via a Bluetooth communication method, right? So basically, what is what is being communicated and how is it being communicated? Those are the two questions. And then the first one, is it active or passive? So we're going to go through the tags, the different types of technology that you can utilize in your supply chain, and we're going to talk about those three questions. You're going to probably recognize a lot of these different tag types, so this may not be new to you. But as we go through, we'll also talk a little bit about the different use cases for each the types of things that you can use these tags to track, the types of things that you might want to track. And then we'll kind of wrap it up by saying, you know, here's how it all works together in a solution, right? Because what the problem we're trying to solve here today is how do I get visibility on the important things that are in my supply chain? And again, that could be assets, that could be vehicles, that could be inventory, tools, whatever you want. So let's start. The first tag, very, very common. You probably have used it at some point in your life. You see it everywhere. It's the barcode. Very, very simple. It's been around for a long time. You can print them for free. They're on just about everything, right? We interact with barcodes probably every day to some extent. If you go to the self-checkout at grocery, you're scanning barcodes. The pros of barcodes, they're very cheap. In fact, they're, they're virtually free. You can go to a barcode generator online and print tags for free. It doesn't cost you a cent. They're easy to install. You can, you can slap a barcode, a piece of tape on something, and now that thing's barcoded. Essentially, you're associating that, the, the numbers in that barcode to whatever it is you're trying to track. The third pro is that everyone knows what they are, right? It's an understood technology, right? A lot of times when you start talking about tracking technologies and you start getting into these tech buzzwords, people get lost. They, they think, oh, this is too technical for me to understand. I'm just going to disregard it in its entirety. And... Barcode doesn't face that problem, right? Everyone knows what they are. But there are cons. The main cons for barcodes being you're limited to line of sight. So obviously, in order to access the barcode, you have to scan it. If that barcode gets damaged, if it gets if it gets put in a place that's hard to find, right? If you think about a warehouse and you're trying to scan the things at the very, very top of the warehouse at you know some of these top racks, you have to be able to go find that barcode to scan it and get information off of it. There's just not a lot that barcode really provides for you from a benefit perspective, other than it's easy, cheap, and everyone knows what it is. And you're missing out really on a lot of different things that you could be tracking if you were to move up to some of these different tags. And so when we go through the three questions, if you talk about a barcode, is it passive or active? It's passive. Obviously, a barcode's not self-reporting. The communication method is a barcode scan. And then what's being communicated? literally just a line of numbers. That's all a barcode is giving you. So maybe not just a line of numbers. If you use a QR code, which is also considered a barcode, you can give like a URL, but it's really a barcode is just giving you a list of characters. 
That's it. It's not giving you anything else besides that. The next step, really the logical next step from barcode that a lot of companies like to utilize is RFID. That stands for radio frequency identification. When we move into RFID, you open up a new realm of possibility in terms of what you can communicate. So we're gonna go back to our three questions, right? The communication method for an RFID tag is an RFID scan. But really where RFID starts to move in front of barcode in the pecking order is what can it communicate? And this is where we really wanna introduce the internet of things, the IoT sensor data that is available out there. Once again, if you're not technically minded, do not get scared off by hearing IoT. I know it's a buzz term, you hear it everywhere. If I were to boil it down to a simple topic, a very simple idea, your phones are connected to the internet of things, your, your smart watches, maybe you have a fridge that's connected to the internet. The internet of things is exactly what it sounds like. It's just all things connected to the internet. It doesn't need to be more complex than that. What's great about the Internet of Things is that we are now using sensors and connecting those to the Internet of Things. And that's where, when we move into RFID, we have a wealth of opportunities that we can take advantage of in our supply chain. Sensor technology is one of the biggest things in IoT right now. The way that that would work would be, as part of the RFID tag, there is a sensor and it could be something like a temperature sensor, or uh, I was at the RFID Journal conference in Vegas a couple weeks ago, and I was seeing tags that had fill detection for, for liquid containers, right? Light detection, movement, pressure, things of that nature. So these, are, these are all sensors that can be manufactured onto an RFID tag. And so once again, we're gonna go back to our questions. The communication method is RFID. What is being communicated? It could be temperature, it could be pressure, it could be fill level, but RFID also gives you that that 24 character, or it can be different different character lengths of numbers and letters. So essentially the same way that you're using a barcode, you can use RFID the exact same way because it's still sending that list of characters. But as we said, with all the sensors that you have access to, you could also be gathering that information as well. So now we go back to the first question because it is important for, for RFID. Is it active or passive? Now RFID can be both active and passive. Typically what you see in the market today are passive tags, which means you have to scan that tag to get the information. That tag is not actively sending its information. And so the way that that's done is if you have an RFID scanner, uh, a fixed reader, also, also called an edge device, they're sending signals down to the tag with just enough power to power the tag up. The tag sends its report back to the scanner and then if that scanner is connected to the internet, then that's how that information gets relayed to the internet. When you have a temperature sensor, let's say you, you're tracking a cold chain for groceries. If you have a passive tag with a temperature sensor on it, you can scan that tag to get the temperature of whatever item that tag is on. And for things like produce or dairy, meat, they have to be at a specific temperature or else they go bad and they go bad quickly. When you tag those things with RFID and you scan them, you can get the temperature and then make the appropriate changes if you need to turn up the heat, if you need to turn down the heat. Well, really, you'd probably be turning up the AC or down the AC, right? You don't usually turn up the heat to keep things cool. But that's what you get access to with, with passive RFID with temperature. Like I said, there are active tags out there. You don't typically see them nearly as much. And the reason being is because of tagging technology number three, which is Bluetooth. Bluetooth that basically has replaced active RFID. I want to talk about the pros and cons of RFID before we move on to Bluetooth. One of the main pros of RFID, and if you've ever seen this, 
it's very, very fascinating to see how you can scan RFID and, and just how quickly you can do it. So if I have a handheld RFID scanner, maybe about yay big, I can press the trigger on an RFID scanner and within milliseconds pick up every tag that's around me. Yay big is about four to five inches. It could be a mobile computer. There's different RFID scanner types. You can connect them to your smart device uh, via Bluetooth, or there are these mobile computers that have built-in RFID guns. So either way, you can, you can utilize RFID. That's one of the benefits is that, think about doing something like inventory or cycle counting. I have to go into a warehouse or I have to go to a retail shop. That was actually my first job ever was in a sporting goods store. And when we had to go do inventory, it took all night. I, you know, we'd sit there and scan each tag and, you know, say, okay, this is, you know, I worked, I worked in the hunting and fishing section. So, you know, this is the ghillie, this is this type of ammunition, this is this type of hunting equipment, this is a canoe, you know, all sorts of stuff. Right. And so that took literally all night. We would close up shop at eight and we wouldn't leave till two in the morning because we had to manually scan every tag to do our inventory. When you introduce RFID into the mix, you literally hold the trigger down on the RFID scanner and you scan everything. And again, for those who aren't watching, I'm just waving my hand around, you know, to pretend like I'm scanning a bunch of things in this room. It's that easy. You pick up, you pick up multiple tags in milliseconds. You, you don't have to sit around and scan each one at a time. So RFID is perfect for things like cycle counting, uh, running inventory levels, doing things like audits, right? Making sure that everything is where it's supposed to be or that the quantity levels in your system match what's actually at your location. That's where RFID is awesome. It tends to have its shortcomings. It's not even really necessarily with the tag, but with radio technology in general. Metal can both harm and hurt, not harm and hurt, harm and aid RFID scanning. If I were to go into a metal container, think like a shipping container that you see on the back of an 18-wheeler, and I had a bunch of RFID tagged items inside that shipping container, I could scan the inside of that container and because the radio frequency is bouncing all over the metal container, I can say with a pretty high level of accuracy, we're going to pick up everything in that container. But as soon as I move outside of that container, radio waves cannot penetrate metal. So anything that's inside that container now is unreadable until I actually go in. So that's why I say it, it both helps and harms RFID scanning. The other thing that really hurts RFID is water liquid, right? Radio waves do not do well trying to penetrate through liquid. And so again, that's not even really a, a con for the RFID tag. That's more just a limitation of radio technology. And if you're upset about that, then you need to find better things to get upset about because that's just science. The only other thing about RFID that, that could potentially be considered a con is that if you're looking for precision scans, if you're trying to find one item, it can be a bit difficult. Again, because of the same method that I just, you know, that I just talked about, which is I can wave, you know, I can wave the scanner around and pick everything up. Well, if I'm looking for one specific thing, especially if you're doing inventory, if I pick up 20 tags, I don't know if all 20 of those tags are all on the same type of thing. It could be on, you know, it could be on two or three different types of products and you wouldn't want to make everything, you know, if I scan 10 of a specific item, if I scan 10 of item A, but also in my scan, I pick up some tags that are with item B. I don't want to say that that's all item A. But the way that you get around that is by adjusting gain settings. So just the, the strength of the signal. There's also technology with RFID scanning where you can hone in on a specific number, specific tag, and do kind of like the Marco Polo hot cold. Oh, here it is. I'm getting closer. 
So you can locate it that way. So there are workarounds around that, but if you're, that's one of the benefits of barcode is the thing you're scanning is the thing you mean to scan most of the time. With RFID, that can sometimes not be the case. So there's settings with the gain that you really need to dial in. And that's, it's not difficult to do. It's just kind of trial and error, working, working your scenario out to best fit your environment. Moving on, let's, let's move to Bluetooth. Bluetooth is another thing we are all very familiar with, right? We use it for our headphones, we use it for our watches, we connect to our car, we do all sorts of things with Bluetooth. And what I would say about Bluetooth is that it is in the position now that RFID was in five years ago, where RFID kind of felt like this new technology. It felt like, you know, hey, you know, this is, this is future tech. Maybe I can use it once more people understand what it is and it becomes cost effective. I'll get to it when, when it becomes appropriate for us, right? But with Bluetooth, people already know what Bluetooth is, right? It's already a technology that everybody understands. You're starting to see Bluetooth tags replace active RFID tags in the industry. And, and Bluetooth beacons, and I'm going to motion again, they're about this big. It's about the size of maybe a quarter, maybe a little bit bigger than a quarter, like a half dollar. I know how much you probably encounter half dollars in your, in your daily life. But uh, a lot of these Bluetooth beacons are about the size of a half dollar. They could be about the size of an ID, like a typical ID badge that you might use to get into your office. Things of that nature, they, they come in different form factors. The big benefit that we get out of Bluetooth now is it's an active tag. So we, again, we talked about passive and active. Bluetooth tags have an onboard battery that allows it to stay on all the time and beacon out its message. Again, we're, we're drawing everything back to communication method and information being communicated because I think it's just vital to understand that. The communication method is Bluetooth. I'm sending out my signal via Bluetooth. The information I'm communicating, once again, we introduce, we introduce sensor technology into the Bluetooth world. The same sensors that you see on RFID, you can also find for Bluetooth. I also saw something at the trade show that there is now battery-less Bluetooth, which is an incredible concept. So keep your eyes out for that. That sounds pretty, pretty incredible. I don't know how Bluetooth can operate without a battery. But there are people out there finding out how to do it. So stay tuned on information about that. That's the benefit. The main benefit of Bluetooth is that it's actively beaconing. So a lot of those issues with impedance, right? If I'm scanning for RFID and there's a bunch of things in the way, it may be difficult for me to find everything that I'm looking for. But because Bluetooth is sending its signal outward, a receiver can pick that up a lot more easily. A lot of times you can also configure the ping rate. So how often does it broadcast? That's really your, your ability to control battery life. Right. If you ping once a second, you're going to drain the battery pretty quickly. If you ping maybe once every five seconds, once every 10 seconds, you're extending your battery life out significantly. Access to those configurations can help you find that sweet spot of visibility and battery life because those two things operate on different ends of the scale. The cons for Bluetooth, once you start getting into Bluetooth, when we talk about pricing, I think pricing from a pros and cons perspective is completely subjective to your budget. Like we were saying, barcodes are free. Passive RFID tags, you can pick up for a couple of cents. You can buy a printer and a roll of tags and print out as many as you like. Obviously, there's costs associated with that. But tags, tags for RFID typically cost a few cents. When you start getting into Bluetooth beacons, now you're moving into the dollar range, which again, if, if you have budget for it, then it's not a problem. But when you look at the pricing scale, each of these tagging technologies, as they give you more information and more features, they cost more. And that's pretty typical of really any technology for that matter. We also talked about battery requirements. Some of these tags do not have replaceable batteries. So once they die, they're gone and you got to get a new one to replace it. But what you're seeing mostly in the industry today is that 
most manufacturers understand that that's not really a good business model, and they are building tags with replaceable batteries. They could be typical nickel batteries, like the like the batteries that you'd put in a in a, a wristwatch or something like that. But we're starting to see more replaceable batteries. Again, that can be a con depending on how often you want to, you know, interact with the tag after you've put it on your item. Next up in the list, we have LTE tags. The communication for these tags is through LTE connectivity. And I use LTE as, as kind of a catch-all term. It, there are tags coming out that use 5G network. There are 3G tags, narrowband, M1 networks. There's really what, what we're getting at here is that you put a SIM chip, not too different from the one that you put in your phone. You put that SIM chip into a tag, and now you have an active tag that not only has its own battery, but it's now having a direct connection to the internet. With barcode, RFID, and Bluetooth, all three of those require that, that scanner to have internet connectivity so that the scan information goes from tag to scanner to network. On the network side, that's typically cloud-hosted software. With something like an LTE tag, that does not require that scanner in the middle. It's directly communicating because, like I said, it's on a, it's, it has a SIM chip. It has direct connection to the network. And it can communicate that information back and forth seamlessly. This is an active tag. It has battery life. And once again, kind of similar to Bluetooth, depending on how often you want that tag to report, that's how much battery life you'll get out of it. A lot of the batteries are replaceable and rechargeable, so you kind of get a lot of the same crossover from what you get with Bluetooth, except for this tag really takes out the middleman of that scanner and just goes directly to the network. One of the sensor types that I didn't even mention, and I can't believe I made it this far without mentioning it, is GPS. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones that there is. You don't typically see GPS on RFID that much because that takes a little bit more power, and with passive tags, you don't really get GPS functionality. So a lot of times what happens with barcode, RFID, and Bluetooth, that scanner typically has GPS, and so that's how you're able to say this tagged item is at this location. You know, you're basically taking the location of your device that scanned the tag and you're updating, you know, whether it's GPS coordinates or if it has a home location or whatever the case may be, you're updating the coordinates of the tagged item to whatever your phone or your scanner is currently at. With LTE, you don't have that. Because it has GPS antennas, it's capturing the GPS information and it's directly sending that to the cloud. And that's where, you know, you can track really, really big things that are on, you know, maybe construction sites. We see this technology used mostly for uh, tools that are a little bit more expensive because as you introduce a SIM chip, you're also introducing a data plan and there's monthly charges associated with that. But you're really able to put these on just about anything, right? Anything that's of, that's of high value where you want a little bit more real-time information about the things that you're tagging. So the pros, again, we're talking about it's it self-connects to the network, it sends information, right? It has a configurable ping rate and it also has access to the same types of sensors as RFID and Bluetooth. The only con is that it has a battery that you might have to replace. It has a SIM chip that you know, you're gonna be paying a monthly charge for, and they can get a little bit more expensive. But once again, when we're talking about price, how expensive or cheap it is is completely subjective. If I'm, check, if I'm trying to track an $100,000 piece of equipment, I might be willing to put a $100 tag on it and pay a, you know, $5 a month to keep track of it. That makes sense, right? Because it's still cheaper than replacing it. And you get that real-time access to, to location information. Understanding your budget and understanding the value of the things you're tracking should really dictate what tag you put on it. 
that's one of the things that we actually do here at Atricity is we work with our customers to say, okay, what what level of location fidelity do you want? What level of you know tracking precision do you want? And how often do you want that info? And then how much is the thing actually worth? That information kind of drives how we consult and, and uh, give people suggestions on how they should tag their stuff. The last item we have on our list is satellite tags. This is virtually the exact same thing as LTE, with the exception that instead of using the cellular network to connect to the internet, you're using satellites to connect to the internet. So this is becoming more rare, at least in the United States. Across the world, it's still a thing, but rarely are you going to find a place without cell coverage. I mean, they still exist, right? They're still out there. But that's really where the LTE tags become useless is if they don't have direct access to the cell network. Satellite removes that problem. Anywhere on the globe, you have access to, to satellite technology. You connect to the internet, you send your information. This is another active tag. It's communicating via satellite, and the information that's being communicated is the same type of sensors that are available on RFID, Bluetooth, and LTE. The pros, it works anywhere in the world. This is really the highest level of tracking that you can provide for your items. The cons are that it's expensive. And again, I keep bringing up the cons of expensive and, and, and budget and pricing and stuff like that. But it's really it's really up to your budget. Again, if you're tracking million dollar items or you know even $100,000 items, right? It would make sense to have a tag that can report its location anywhere in the world because it's that valuable to you. And losing the thing is, is way worse than having to replace a tag. As with all things pricing and budget, just understanding the value of your items, understanding what you're trying to track, and then understanding how important is it to have immediate access to data versus, you know, if I'm if I have an RFID tag or a Bluetooth tag, it's only updating about as often as I scan it. So if that's good enough for you, then by all means utilize those tags. If you want things that'll self-report, then use things like LTE or satellite. That pretty much wraps up the spectrum of the tagging technologies. And really, the the questions that we that we ask our customers when they when they ask us, you know, what types of tags we should use are what are you tracking? How important is access to the data immediately? And how much are you willing to pay for it? I think those three questions really summarize all the different decision points that you need to make when choosing a tracking technology. You can really track just about anything. There's there's nothing that you can't put a tag on. There are multiple different types of form factors. There are different ways that you can affix tags onto pieces of equipment. There are tags that are uh, IPC, what is it, IPC or IPS? I'll, I'll figure it out. It's the uh, the durable ones that can take the you know the dirt and the wind and all that stuff. It's what Apple does with their iPhones, IPv6 or something like that. Uh, scratch resistant, break resistant, all those different types of certifications. There's, there's so many different tag types and form factors that you really can find something that fits your need for what you're tracking. So if you're interested in learning about those tags and, and really seeing what's out there, get on Google and just do a search. Search RFID tags or search Bluetooth tags or Bluetooth beacons, LTE tags, things of that nature. Because there are so many different manufacturers to choose from that you really have a lot of different options based off of your budget and what you're tracking. So now that we've wrapped up the tag types that you can use to track your stuff, we're going to invite Ben, our producer, to come on and ask a couple of questions. Ben's going to represent the, the everyday, I don't work in the industry, I don't know the ins and outs, I'm not a product manager, I'm not building solutions. He's going to represent that person, and he's going to ask some of the questions that we frequently encounter as we work with our customers here at Electricity. We're going to probably take a hard cut here to get Ben on camera. 
he represents the everyman, the guy who does not work in product management, the guy who does not live, eat, breathe, and drink this every day. So Ben has some questions that he's come up with that uh, we're going to try to answer here. So I did not prepare for this. <laughs> so, it's just the first thing that comes to his mind. Uh, let, me, let me try to think of it just from any normal guy, which I am, so that works out. Huh. Um, so let's see. When you talk about the different tiers of the tagging technologies, what necessarily makes Bluetooth or satellite worth the money? You talk kind of like the importance of the high cost assets. But is there anything else, like maybe does it pair with the sensors better or anything from that perspective? Yeah, so there's really not a huge difference between how the sensors read based on the tag types. It's more so about that direct connectivity to the web because if I have RFID tags or Bluetooth tags with sensors on them, I still need to have that gateway to get that information to the network, the, the internet. Um, so that, like I said, that could be I scan a Bluetooth tag with my phone and then my phone's connected to the internet. So my phone's now sending that to the internet, right? It could be a fixed reader. So at Electricity, we have these things called eye controllers that we stick up in static locations and they're scanning for those tags to relay that information, right? So there's the scan, but then there's also the relay the scan to the web. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, let's see what else. Oh yeah, 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 okay. You mentioned something earlier about how it kind of like pretty much needs cell coverage for some of those tags. Can right. you tell, I, I don't know anything about tagging <laughs> technology. <laughs> um, yeah, so cell coverage, if you don't have that is the person kind of, you know, just out of luck? Like, what do you do in that scenario? Yeah, so a lot of times, so I'll go back to the the explanation I just had, which is that connectivity to the internet, right? As long as you have that in some form or fashion, you don't have, to, like, if you have Wi-Fi, you yeah. can still scan tags, use Wi-Fi to communicate that to the to the internet. Now, those those LTE tags that we mentioned, you, you wouldn't use those in areas with no cell coverage. Gotcha because those connect to the network via LTE or or 3G or whatever, you know, whatever cell coverage there is. If you get into really, really remote places, that's where you use satellite tags because okay. anywhere on the globe, if you think about satellite technology, I don't know how many of you know this, uh, but there's just satellites, you know, orbiting the globe, right? And, and when three of them find you, that's how you're they're able to show you where you're at, right? When you're using Google Maps or, or Uber or whatever, right? As long as three of those things can find you, they know where you're at on the globe. If you're in remote areas where that's the only thing, I, I suppose maybe satellite may not work at the North Pole and the South Pole <laughs> because of magnetism. I really, do, I actually don't know if that's the case or not. There's uh, probably uh, astronomers out there who could answer that for you. But yeah, when it comes to like low LTE coverage, yeah, you're not going to want to use LTE tags. But things like RFID and, and, and barcode and, and Bluetooth, as long as there's Wi-Fi or you can also connect, you know, you, there's satellite routers, right? So you can still connect to a router to, to give that information. So there's, there's options, yeah. right? That's basically what I'm getting at. That's pretty cool. What would you say would be the, not stereotypical, but the generic first entry level combination you would use to track your stuff? Okay. That's a good question because I think a lot of people may already be there. They may already be tracking their stuff with barcode. Okay. Um, we're going to do a whole episode on that transition between barcode to RFID. Okay, so I'll give a little taster on that, right? A lot of RFID tags can be printed with barcodes on them. Yeah. So you're not even really replacing the technology. You're supplementing it with something better, mm -hmm. right? 
But if you think about it as a barcode is just, you know, a set of characters, numbers and, and letters, right? That you're associating value to those numbers and letters. So I put a barcode on a pack of eggs. Well, now those numbers and letters are a pack of eggs, right? A pack of eggs. I don't know how many people sell packs of eggs. Um, a dozen eggs. Let's do it that way. When you're doing RFID, you're doing the same thing, right? You're basically associating those characters with something of value, right? Because a line of 24 characters in and of itself has no value, yeah. right? It's what you associate with it that has the value. So when, when you go from something like barcode to RFID, you're really not doing that much different. You're, you're, you're taking a tag with a list of characters and you're saying these equal this, right? It's very simple. And so once you start tagging those things, and like I said, you can still have the barcode on there if you, wanna, if you still need that method to scan it. But once you start tagging things with RFID, you just get access to quicker scanning, more effective scanning, uh, better inventory control, all, the, all the, the pros that we talked about earlier. Okay, that makes sense. So last question, um, how would you use RFID to track metal if obviously it can't really penetrate or yeah. the frequencies aren't too right. good there? Right, so what we have found and what a lot of manufacturers are doing is they'll, they'll manufacture kind of a foam backing. So say I'm tracking something that's metal, I would put the foam backing on the metal and then put the tag on top of the foam so if you create a little bit of a separation, you can still scan it. But if you have it directly on the metal, it could be, you know, it's difficult to, to, to find it with, with precision and with uh, consistency. So there are ways to do that. You just kind of create a little offset between, if you're not watching, I'm basically putting my hand on my other hand. I can't explain <laughs> what I'm doing. It creates an offset between the metal and then the tag itself. So that way you can scan it. Gotcha. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. That was the last question, so sweet, dude. Awesome. Well, that'll wrap things up for today's episode. Thank you guys for joining. It is our first episode. We're very excited to be providing more content for you, the listener, uh, and also the viewer, if you guys are watching this as well. Uh, if you like today's episode, please like and subscribe. It really does go a long way. Reach out to us if you have any questions, any topics or questions that you'd like us to cover here on the podcast, because we're doing this for you. We're not doing this for us. Believe me, we've got plenty of other things that we could be doing, but we wanted to use this as a resource to help relieve some of the problems that you may be experiencing in your supply chain. So thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next time.